0: Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545SOL. New skyradio.com.
1: Who is or was the Mothman?
2: Stepping on my lines already.
1: We oh, I'm sorry. Started. Oh, we you're had... opening today. Oh well.
2: Comedy of errors. Go ahead, Ben. We barely started. Okay. Oh, I got it out of the way early. Go ahead. All right. So, what happens to people who see it? Has Mothman been photographed?
1: Well, well, let's try to get our stride here.
2: Anyway, welcome to
1: the 237th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul. And the guy asking those uh, pretty unusual questions, and uh, irately so, was my son, co-host and partner in the paranormal, Ben. Oh, you asked half the questions. Well, indeed. Uh, let so... me just wish everybody who's on the Celtic calendar a happy Beltane todays the first uh, day of that, and uh, happy
2: spring to everyone. Okay, so um, we've done a number of shows about Mothman, and each one is different because different people have had different experiences with this really weird phenomenon.
1: Andy Colvin is no exception. Today, he's a West Coast photographer, filmmaker, and writer who was considered by some to be a modern Charles Fort because of his intensive documentation of synchronicities in relation to the paranormal and to conspiracy research. He even uses the term synchro-conspiracy. I like that. His work includes UFOs, cryptids, and unexplained entities, magic, and the workings of the human mind. Now, on a West Virginia back road in the 1960s, Andy Colvin and his family and friends say they actually had encounters with an entity that the media quickly dubbed Mothman. Following these encounters, Andy found that he could draw, sing, and take pictures, and that he had a photographic memory. Colvin uh, has recognized, uh, was recognized as a prodigy and was eventually offered a scholarship to Harvard University. While a graduate student at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, Andy helped found a UT's celebrated Transmedia Department as well as the Austin Film Society. He later worked on Hollywood films, toured with his experimental band at the Interdimensional Vortex League, I like that name, and began making small ethnographic documentaries about unusual tribes, subcultures, and personalities. That would be us, Ben. His 25-year study of modern Texans, multi-slack, is due out in 2012. Is that correct, uh, Andy?
3: Multi-slack, Yeah.
1: Very good. Okay. Uh, let me just finish <laughs> your bio here. Andy's writing has been featured in various magazines, and his unique career has been studded with various mind-blowing, synchronistic events, some of which allowed him to study with or work with some of the greatest creative minds of the 20th century. And I would suggest that uh, people who are, have a, 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 uh, I should say access to computers uh, can go to our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com, and on the Talking Points page, there are a number of illustrations and photographs that Andy has provided for us as well as a wonderful picture of him with John Keel. Uh, I do emphasize that the second link on the page. The first one is uh, for tomorrow night's show uh, on the New England station here. But in any case, uh, check that out, and there's some quite, quite a few interesting
2: things to look at. So, Andy Colvin, welcome to Behind the Paranormal.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: That is fascinating that you are in in an experimental band, or were, or maybe still are, because I'm actually in one as we speak. Well, not right now, because nobody's here besides me and my dad. But anyway, so we've done many shows on Mothman. But for those who might not know about him, what is Mothman?
3: Well, you're starting off with the the you know the toughest question of all there with uh, what is he? Because
2: just get straight to the point.
3: Yeah, um, <clears throat> he appears to be a uh, denizen of the other world, a spirit, perhaps a archetypal deity that uh, uh, is symbolized you know he shows up in different cultures and under different names and he, but, he, but the symbolisms all seem to be the same depending on whatever culture you're looking at uh, he's a hybrid bird man who you know uh, hangs out in the sky and so you see a lot of sky symbolisms associated with him thunder lightning uh, the ether uh, the connecting uh, the psi plasma between us, the telepathy, anything that's in the middle between two points. And in the Buddhist uh, world, he sort of represents the background of reality that's sort of alive, the consciousness uh, the consciousness that undergirds reality through which all the various forms appear that we see in front of us. <laughs> so in that way, it's a very deep uh He's a very deep archetype and is, uh, in the Hindu, is thought to be uh, the messenger of God, more, more or less, or Vishnu. Vishnu rides on the Garuda, and the Garuda has some functions which include guarding the pot of am- ambrosia, which is more or less enlightenment. So he's sort of a, a gargoyle protector of certain uh, secret knowledge, you might say. And in that respect, he sort of ends up being caught in a crossfire. I think a bit with uh, between religious groups um, that want to sort of control the message and call him something else, calling it call him a demon or whatever, instead of really looking into the traditional history of these kinds of birdmen. It's a fascinating topic. Indeed.
2: Okay, so what? always amazed... uh, What? what, Sorry. It's one of these days. We're always amazed by how similar Witnesses' descriptions are, but how different people's experiences of Mothman can be. So tell us about your experience. What were you like before and after what you saw?
3: I was... uh... Well, like let's let's take drawing. I really couldn't draw well, and maybe you know that could have been just a learning period where you know, like with anything, you don't really know how to do it, and maybe it just takes practice. But the timing of it was such that it seemed that after uh, these experiences, that one day I just woke up and I could draw like Picasso, almost, uh, and some of these things have faded over the years you know I, I did have a photographic memory at the time and and all that but you know it's it's uh, i certainly don't have that now but so i think it's kind of relates to the time period that it happens in and um, but yeah it d- definitely changed me i think
1: so what was your experience
3: well the ex- uh, boy well it's, it took place over a 5 year period really, but uh, right at the beginning was uh, a sighting that I had heard about the creature, and so I kind of was on my radar. He was on my radar, but I felt like this night that I saw it, I I felt like uh, I was getting some kind of message from him. It was like I had an impending doom about seeing this creature. So at first it's like you kind of laugh. Oh, there's somebody seeing a flying man? Well, that'd be cool to see, but then nighttime comes and you go out driving, and you start to get nervous, and that's kind of odd. I mean, I, I don't really—I wasn't the kind necessarily to just get up to get nervous about stuff either. So, I—I I, I think just the fact that I got became concerned about him visiting me is kind of unusual.
1: Now, how old were you?
3: And so, uh, I just saw the silhouette flying above the car, but I thought I saw it coming back from the bowling alley, too, which makes it even stranger. Like, why would – how could I just happen across it as it's flying about? That's All right. Let, let,
1: okay, let, let me just stop here. Just, let's just put this in context. You lived in or near Point Pleasant at the time?
3: Yeah, and we actually were driving toward Point Pleasant to the bowling alley, which is sort of in between, and uh, – it, what was, what was the date? On, on the coming and the going, to me, says that there is some kind of interface going on with your mind. And a lot of these these uh, sightings have an, a, a semi-hallucinatory quality to them. It's not that they're not – I think they're re- real, but only temporarily real. Yeah,
1: I hear you. We'll get to that. But I I, I I'm trying to just put it in context. What was yeah. the date? The date of this
3: experience? Uh, right before Christmas, nineteen sixty-six.
1: Okay, so right in the middle of the of the Mothman flap, as it were. Yeah. Okay, and uh, who was with you in the car?
3: Uh, my parents. And my dad had an unusual reaction to it, which I never forgot, and hinting that the government was involved somehow. And I've he made cryptic statements over the years that I've sort of tried to. Decode. He he uh, worked at Carbide and had been at the Philadelphia experiment when he was in the during the war. Really, okay. And it appears that our family started having men in black uh, watching us from the early fifties. When my sister says that one of them came in the house and was searching through everything, so I think we were being watched for that reason, and perhaps just because my dad may have been known something about saucer technology and at carbide or something. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities for why some of the men in black stuff was happening.
1: All right. So you didn't actually come face to face with Mothman and the red eyes, quote unquote, but you saw him in the sky.
3: Yeah, and I. but I did come across him five years – oh, no, I'm sorry, seven years later. Okay. Can you
1: tell us about that.
3: At, yeah, I was uh, – uh a little ways up the road from my house we had uh, an old church a uh, methodist church and and it used to be the original school probably the first school in Kanawha county so it was very old it's called Etna school and prob- may have even been an indian school before that cuz this was a crossroads it's a way to <clears throat> my neighborhood was sort of a shortcut between mound and point pleasant you could go that way and and take out a lot of the uh instead of going around the big bend and bends in the river kind of take the straight shot so back in there uh there were you know you could find arrowheads and everything obviously indians had lived there a long time and at this spot uh a school the schoolhouse burned down at some point early in the 1900s some kids were killed and Actually, I don't know the data that it made. But one of my theories is that Charles Manson burned the the schoolhouse down because he lived in the neighborhood. Oh dear! Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that in this neighborhood, and um, it could be that the death of the children uh, caused some sort of disturbance. You know, at that crossroads, this is at a crossroads. It's actually called Bird Mountain, by there. So, yeah. um, and so we start having. Mothman sightings there, and I was, there's like, I guess four people now have seen him there, and then a couple of other people saw other things like strange lights, uh, UFOs, there was a boy living there at the time who was my best friend, and he said Mothman was coming all the time to his house there. This is where I later saw the Mothman years later, okay. and then uh, last year at the, at the Mothman Festival, Another kid that had moved into that house comes up and introduces himself, and I haven't seen him in 25, 30 years. And he says, Mothman touched me on that, in the same, he literally touched Steve on the shoulder at that spot where I saw him, where this thing came out of the window, not the window, the uh, woods, basically is what happened. I was walking, had this strange feeling like the hair goes up on the back of your neck, and then something is floating, walking and floating, toward me it's like a shadow it's a silhouette black silhouette spindly the the joints seem to go in opposite directions like it's double jointed i didn't it didn't have red eyes though but this thing so i ran home and then that same i think it was that same week steve who's now living there didn't tell me about his sighting because he was embarrassed right he comes to my house my sister's there. She decides to take a picture of me for no apparent reason. Steve's standing right behind her, and then we have this strange thing in the window, which appears to look like a garuda.
1: Oh, we have that on the website. Yeah. I'm
3: yeah. Talking- so I'm wondering now if it didn't follow Steve to my house because it actually touched Steve. It had some uh, attraction to Steve or whatever. So.
1: Okay. Well, we're getting ready to wrap for a break, uh, Andy. When we come back, I want to get we want to get deeper into your very untypical experience after the Mothman sighting so stay with us Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio newskyradio.com we'll be right back with our guest Andy Colton
3: Join Kimmy Rose on interviews Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth Spiritual Teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life And embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you.
4: The kind of bomb.
0: CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben
1: Eno. Call now.
0: 248 545 New skyradio.com. Believe.
1: Good Lord, why don't they play Mozart? Well, in any case, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And our wonderful guest this evening, Andy Colvin, talking about his Mothman experiences, which had a very, very unusual, as opposed to other people's experiences, result. Take it away, Ben.
2: All right, so you believe your experience somehow gave you the abilities to uh, that have made you the success that you are today is that true
3: um, if you could call me a success <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey you're on this show what more what more can you want
3: oh yeah it's the
1: pinnacle
2: of success <laughs>
3: um, yeah it's not like it's not like a hard it's not something I it's not like a crusade or anything it's just um, I'd like to I like to talk about stuff those kinds of things because, you know, there's so much out there about it being uh, just a demon and, and everyone's afraid. And, and I, I, really, you know, the more you look into it, it's, it's just, it's just not that way. There has to be, <laughs> there probably has to be a scary element for some reason to it. Um, and you could probably hear it in my voice when I go back to talk about those, those experiences. I, I, you know, I still don't have an explanation for it, and it still makes me nervous. I mean, honestly. I mean, I could blame it on the T, but... Um, yeah. But like, for instance, the first kid that lived in that house at this uh, crossroads um, told me he was having visions of the end of the world, or I'm sorry, the, he may have said the end of the world, but it was the World War III, and that he had seen this attack in New York City in 2001 that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. And... <clears throat> I didn't believe it, and he chided me or dared me into standing in this certain spot in his yard where he held my hand and said, now you'll see the vision, and then I saw the vision, and it's pretty similar to 911, and um, yeah, I didn't see a plane, but I something came in and <laughs> blew up one of the buildings, and it looks a lot like the, the second hit from the Hudson Riverside. And so I actually saw that vision, and then later I was almost killed by a rock slide, and my life passed before me, this is years later, and I realized that the two situations were very similar. Hmm. Very fast, rapid pictures. So I saw this thing he was talking about, but then I saw a bunch of images of my life and how it could be or couldn't be kind of dependent on how I handled myself. So I think that experience alone had a huge impact on my, at deep levels in my mind that I couldn't even probably explain now. Sure, But it just opens up your mind, and suddenly you realize that there's way more to reality than you thought.
1: Oh, you better believe it. What I'm getting at here, Andy, is, uh, because I have my own theory on all this, and Ben does to it, you know. Everybody has uh, theories. Most people, almost everyone, who describes a Mothman experience of any kind, talks about being frozen with fear uh they talk about their burns scars swollen eyes but you uh in well you, you imply that this was at least part of an experience that helped you find yourself i mean just i mean uh, you
3: yes because uh to get over the hurdle you know when you're in a, on a plateau of any kind even even in working out like if you're just a workout person or athlete get to these plateaus and you have to be challenged, I think, to get past it and get on to the next stage. And these events seem to happen when people, kids or adults, are at crossroads in their lives or important times when they need to, something needs to happen, something needs to change.
1: Hmm. Okay. So, um, all right. I mean, you don't don't think the Mothman experience was, was, just because you weren't afraid doesn't necessarily mean that. Maybe you just, as, as I say, found yourself at this point. Again, how old were you?
3: The fear fear kicks you into a decision. The fear makes you face the unknown, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so it was fearful to see this thing coming out. And it was fearful in 2002 when we went back and we saw three shimmering beings. I was with three other people, two other people, who had all had experiences with Mothman, and we all had another experience with him. It seems because we were seeing these reflections of ourselves. They were like energetic reflections, like the Star Trek uh, thing where you transport yourself. We were seeing beings like that, and one there was a fourth being that was watching it. It was a flitting back and forth, and I think that was Mothman.
1: Okay, so we're getting into we're getting back to our original question: What is Mothman? And your implication here is as. Uh has been hinted at by others, is that there may be a lot more to it than just this really scary guy with red eyes and wings. That just sort
2: of runs around like a flailing prophet of doom.
1: Yeah, but there actually is is some great portent or some deep meaning to these experiences for us. Um, Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. What about the – I'm going to backtrack just a bit just because I want to cover this subject. What about the mutation theory? There were all sorts of because you know you know I myself Ben you know I've been at this for 41 years Ben's joined me now we've going on six years and we we we, we enjoy uh, with, with a few chuckles the super skeptics who weren't there who will come up with all kinds of, of of goofy explanations that are crazier than than ours you know for what happens uh, what, the, the sandhill crane theory in my mind has to be one I wasn't there either but I've talked to lots of people like you who have had more than my experiences there was one. Suggestion in the press uh, during the flap in 1966, particularly in '67, that th- this was actually a sandhill crane. And in the very excellent film Eyes of the Mothman, there is a suggestion that these cranes may have ingested some of the toxic waste that was present on the so called TNT site, former World War II. Uh, explosives manufacturing and storage area where many of these sightings of the Mothman occurred. Now, I, the person, I think that's stretching it, but what do you think about that? I mean, uh, wouldn't there be other species too? I mean, giant uh, squirrels and all these running around too. I mean, we, we, we ingest this stuff and, and we, we get cancer and die. I mean, we don't grow 10 feet tall. I mean, but again, I'm not a biologist. What say you on all that business about mutations and people making mistakes? Oh, I think
3: Even close to the answer. Yeah. A lot of these shows will will give will you two, two uh, responses, possible responses to the question. You know, they'll, they'll ask, is it this or is it this? And they often, one of them is often mutant, the mutant mob man, and the other may be demon. Or, yeah. And they do the same thing with the Men in Black. They'll, was this, were they investigating a complicated cover up? Or were they uh, secret agents, right? They, but the answer is both.
5: Yeah, <laughs> but no, you're they'll,
3: probably, yeah. Split so you, they'll split it up so that you can't get an answer going. Uh, but there's no that isn't backed up by science. There's no mutants out there. We haven't seen it. There's no that's obviously not a real possibility.
1: Yeah. I tend to agree. Now, as we've said many times when we've talked about Martha been on the show, all sorts of seemingly unrelated phenomena were reported in the Ohio Valley during that flap. Uh, UFOs, as as you just mentioned, anti-men in black, uh, even an outbreak of ghosts and poltergeists, as people have told us that, uh, who are witnesses. Uh, what connections do you see between these various phenomena?
3: They all seem to be connected, uh, that's for sure. I think... There's an interface going on between the collective unconscious, perhaps of the people living in the area, and the natural environment, which is often charged with electromagnetism in some unusual way.
1: Tell us about it.
3: Like with underground mineral deposits, pipelines, power lines, all those things have been shown to increase you know, paranormal phenomena. So, That's right. You're right. Uh, I, I, it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean that... Mothman isn't real, or whatever th- things people are seeing, but they're uh, it, it, these things can do sometimes leave physical traces. So yeah, that's right. They obviously are becoming real for a certain period of time, and playing upon or interacting with the person who's watching it. Sometimes one person sees it, one doesn't. Sometimes they both see it. Sometimes neither see it. I'm sure. So. Um, and even if these were terrestrial craft that were built by uh, secret, you know, projects, uh, they might be emitting a strange EM, EM signature that might be causing people to see more than is happening in front of them.
1: Well, our idea here, too, is that uh, these are flaps, areas of flaps, and this isn't just a theory. I mean, we actually work with this in a practical manner. Scientifically
2: is that, proven. Well, it is scientifically proven. What is? Well, multiverse theory. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, fact, whatever you mean by proof. Um, as the multiverse approach from quantum physics, and I think you might have that in mind in some of your things you've said, is that uh, we have overlapping parallel worlds here, and that's why people are Where having...
2: Newtonian ex- physics is obsolete. Well, unless you're building your house or a highway. Or something. Well, yeah, but I mean like when describing this kind of stuff. Yeah, for interpreting reality.
1: Isn't yeah, it good? like
2: yeah. the scientific method does not apply. Yeah.
1: That's it. So, uh, at least, and, and what we do is we get into areas, uh, you know, we're not ghost hunters. I hate that term. You know, we're cosmic sojourners. We get in, we deal with the parallel worlds, the beings in those worlds, to see what's going on. Some of them are twice as confused as the people in the areas we're dealing with, et cetera, et cetera. So, at least the way we interpret the Mothman thing, we've, I, as far as I know or Ben, we've never had a Mothman experience as such. Uh, th- that would be our two cents on that, is that you're dealing with, you know, overlapping parallel worlds. But again, you know, who knows?
3: Uh, related. I think there should be – I'm actually revamping the classification system, and I want to add uh, synthetic or terrestrial UFOs as a new category for if you're looking at a sighting, you know, decide if it's a terrestrial vehicle or not. And the other ones are the natural ones, which appear to be lights and perhaps intelligent lights that have some sort of thinking capability, and sort those out first – before you decide what's going on, uh, Mothman may interact with both, in the sense that he does seem to appear in areas where these new craft, new drones or saucers, as they've been developed throughout the years, he tends to show up at, alongside them, and he constantly seems to be pointing toward you know the military-industrial complex in that way. And yeah, also, that's a possible. Thing. Sure. And he also may be. There's also this theory which has some something to it that there are Buddhist monks who can turn into Garudas and they travel in balls of light. And we actually have uh, one one monk who wrote a book all about the Garuda and the Thunderbird saying that they were the same creature and you know, the same uh symbologies, everything, and that he could turn into one. Uh, and that and when I showed his picture to one of my childhood friends who had seen Mothman in this spot I've been talking about he said, well, that's the guy I've been seeing in visions, d- different visions and dreams.
1: Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. Well, uh, don't look now, but uh, we uh, found out someone someone was having dreams about us, but not quite in that exalted context. Anyway,
3: uh, th- this is, okay, we got one minute. thing you uh, said about the Sandhill Crane, uh, did you know that cranes are thought to be supernatural, too?
1: Well, yeah, in some circles, yeah. Every, well, everything is.
3: In the gin lore, uh, a regular crane can become infused with supernatural uh, powers for a certain time, particularly around the, the time of a thunderstorm.
1: Okay, So yeah. it
3: doesn't negate, having cranes there doesn't negate the supernatural, supernaturality of it at all.
1: Well, the Thunderbird phenomenon is known all over the world. There are examples in Texas and everything else, but we have to wrap for a break. We'll be right back with our guest Andy Colvin on CBS Newsky Radio, newskyradio.com, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino. You know, stay with us.
0: Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No boundaries. is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com.
1: We're back with our guest Andy Colvin and our subject tonight is Mothman, all things about Mothman and Andy's very unusual experience with Mothman. Ben,
2: take it away. Right. Okay, so... um. Why were so many people seeing Mothman in West Virginia in the 1960s? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Did you hear the
1: question?
3: Uh, there was a little bit of a cutout there.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, ben, perhaps you could uh, restate Okay, the uh,
2: restate Counselor.
1: the question.
2: So uh, why were so many people in Mothman? Uh, some of you will seeing Mothman in West Virginia in the 1960s.
1: There were so many Mothman seeing people in West Virginia. Okay, go ahead.
3: <laughs> okay. Am I coming through good? No, you yes. sound fine to us, yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, the the sightings, uh, you know, they were they were large, and, and they weren't just in the Ohio Valley. They went up the Kanawha Valley and then up the Elk River in West Virginia up toward uh, Braxton County and where the Flatwoods monster. Hmm. Scene. And that's where he was first seen and came down, uh, was seen all over Charleston. <clears throat> and like I say, I keep getting more reports from people in my neighborhood that saw him that just had never uh, told anybody about it. And now that, you know, I'm kind of out there and they can have somebody to know that they can tell it to, they you know, more and more is coming in. Uh, so you have a swath of about 30 miles on either either side of the Ohio, going all the way up to almost Pittsburgh and all the way down to, you know, uh, Cincinnati really. Wow. And that whole swath was getting it. And I, it, it did coincide with, you know, the biggest UFO flap probably ever Mm -hmm. 65 and 66 flap in the Midwest was, you know, according to Keel was the biggest one. And it was somehow left out of the Rockefeller UFO report, uh, interestingly. And I think, you know, if these were crafts that were being developed or built under the TNT area, as I think that is possible, um, this would be another example where Mothman showing up to try to point to something that is somehow uh, bad for us, I think.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think Mothman, real or, or, or again, we always point out on this show that these are names that people give to... Certain figures and certain events, and I'm always wondering uh, whether it's really the same thing in different guises. You know, the Mothman or the Thunderbird or whatever. Do you think, in any case, regardless of what it is, that it is a precursor of doom or disaster? Certainly not. In your case, it wasn't.
3: Well, he's always doing. He's always his goal is to help uh, stabilize enlightenment states. As the as the traveler or the practitioner moves toward enlightenment the Garuda uh, meditations on his what he stands for or symbolizes you know that's that's the purpose for the for the Buddhist He stabilizes it so he's a support mechanism so anything uh, bad that's going to happen he's going to show up to try to uh, solve it he's a he's a he's like a cosmic crime fighter in the, in the traditional uh, sense.
1: Well, then why are people scared out of their wits when they see him?
3: Well, there's a people. lot of reasons for that, You know, mainly because they don't have a context for it. I don't think that people do not get worked up in the native culture if they see the Thunderbird. In fact, they're, they're thought to have been blessed and that they're going to do really well in life and be uh, healers and artists and materially wealthy, actually. And then in the Buddhist world, it's pretty much the same thing.
1: Oh, all right.
3: So okay. and, and the thing I wanted to mention, though, you know, that overarching issue of, you know, there's all these different phenomenon happening, ghosty, ghosty things, poltergeists, UFOs, aliens, all that. So people to, told
1: us down down your way, yeah.
3: And they're all related, but Mothman is different in that his role is to subdue planetary spirits in the Hindu pantheon. So anytime you have plantier spirits being caused by, say, animal mutilation, which is usually, I think, done by either occultists or big companies that are trying to run farmers off their land. So anytime you start harming animals that way, um, the garuda will, will respond.
1: It's funny you, you, you say that, because we, in our, our cosmic journeying work, as we call it, will work with, and we haven't said too much about this on the air, because it's almost indescribable, we work with... I'll call them people or a lot of times they're not human from from parallel worlds whom we have gotten to know strange as it may sound who assist us in closing or opening portals that are creating problems for people or doing this that and the other thing uh, that uh, sometimes get into well areas that that might be I don't know classified or dangerous or whatever for me to I don't know to, not to be over dramatic but in any case I hear what you're saying, and, and, and it, it sounds familiar. However, we have not run into any Mothman-type figures, as far as we're aware. The closest I came was to, and I've described this on the uh, several times, is was in the 1990s in New York State when people uh, called me into uh, because of tr- uh, very heavy footsteps in their attic, and I encountered a what I can only describe as a bear-like being who was of such nobility and goodness. That I really can't describe it. And we, I had to get through his language, which was a very odd form of Latin, but we did manage to communicate somewhat. And he was on, I guess you can only call a quest, and it was all very positive. But that's the closest I've ever come to a, I suppose, a Mothman being of the kind you describe, of the positive kind you describe. But in any case, we are coming up on a break, and we will be right back uh, on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS. Oh, we're not taking a break. Okay. Well, I, false alarm. All right. Well, anyway, so I had to, I ran into this uh, ursine being who was really positive, and, and that's the closest I've ever come. Uh, in ensuing years, what have you encountered Mothman-wise? I mean, you, you mentioned something in the last decade that you encountered. Uh, is this an ongoing experience with you in your life?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... It, it's it's organic it doesn't it changes quite a bit I mean during the writing you know a lot of this stuff a lot of my research happened right after 911 when I realized that this Mothman thing was real you know I that was it for me I absolutely knew that this was real because I experienced that vision myself I knew that this precognitive thing was real and started researching it and so That's been about 10 years.
1: Is there anybody else you know who's had a positive experience with Mothman or a Mothman-like figure, such as your own, or are they all negative other than yours that you know of?
3: Well, again, they're only negative because the person, they're only negative in the sense that the person is initially scared of what's happening. Everybody that I've talked to that's come up recently, including the ones that lived on my road, um, which is three or four here in the last few months, all appear to have done unusually well in their lives. That's the first uh, time
1: I've heard that because eight years ago, when we were in, uh, again, you know, we don't have the experience you have, but we were in Parkersburg eight years ago and uh, Point Pleasant uh, three years ago now, people told us that they've never recovered. again, uh, no, we didn't talk to that many witnesses, but enough to. to well, a lot us- of
3: these people move away.
1: That's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. I'm yeah, Bob. you your superior experience with this <laughs> phenomenon. But that, that, that's, I'm just reporting what what people. And
3: if you go there, if you go there, you, you know, you, you're only dealing with people that are still there. Yeah, true. And uh, and and there was I did meet a guy uh, last year who saw uh, Mothman in Parkersburg two years ago.
1: Really? Okay.
3: Yeah, and I could tell when he walked up that he had seen Mothman. I, it's uh, it's very easy for me to tell. And that's another thing. Is like how can you know? Uh, these people before you meet them and then I also have dreams about other people's sightings even before really? I find out about them.
1: Wow.
3: And they tell me about it and I'm like, yeah, I keep dreaming of that spot and I don't know why.
1: So there's a connection there.
3: There's telepathy and stuff going on. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, a connection, as I said, between the witnesses, among the witnesses. Would you yeah, say that? I, yeah,
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You get them together and stuff starts happening and I, you know, I, I was, sometimes I had, I had a little free time. I was goofing around on Facebook and I saw this woman i thought she looks familiar so i friended her and uh, that is just random you know somebody who knew somebody i knew and she turns out to say that she had seen mothman or had some kind of strange experience with him when she was in her 20s and that she'd recently been having these dreams about a tsunami and uh, that we needed to run from the red star and it was right before the earthquake right Oh yeah. yeah, she had posted it. She had posted it, so this was verifiable. And then I start talking to her, and she starts freaking out and saying, "Oh my God, I understand it all now. Now that you, now that I know it's Mothman and and all this, uh, you know, Masonic uh, things in her family and and Rh negative. A lot of the things that you see in the Mothman witnesses, they all seem to have. The women especially seem to have the same uh, lineages and blood types." Masonic
1: uh, connections. Masonic connections?
3: Yeah, in their families. But anyway, I researched Red Star and found out it was connected to Westinghouse, which built one of the reactors over there. That's right. And okay, well, we, we, <laughs> do to,
1: with, uh, we do have to wrap for a break uh, now. This is a real one, and we will be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS Newsky Radio, newskyradio.com. We'll continue our conversation with Andy Colvin on the Mothman issue. Stay with us.
5: was a man back in 95 whose heart ran out of summers but before he died I asked him wait what's the sense in life come over me come over me he said son why you gotta sing that tune catch a Dylan song or some eclipse of the moon let an angel swing and make you swoon then you will see You will see that he sent his own
0: CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Sol. Newskyradio.com. Believe.
1: (laughs) Okay, what are you laughing at? We're back back behind the paranormal. That was was probably the funniest break because
2: we're like, are we still alive? um, Well, I I, I don't understand. I still don't understand how this works. Anyway, we're back
1: with uh, Andy Colvin, our marvelous guest. We're talking about the Mothman uh, issue here, and we are running out of time, I'm afraid. However, I wanted to uh, just very quickly ask uh, Andy about um, the uh, conspiracy theories that that you uh, apparently study. You mentioned the the Masonic connections here somewhere. Do you see any connection, just very briefly, do you see any connection between Mothman and any conspiracies or conspiracy theories in the government or whatever? I mean, doesn't sound like it's so far. But.
3: Well, I, they're in there. You know, they they were doing something. Uh, some people were being killed uh, back then, and uh, something was going on. They were definitely doing something, probably nuclear. Um, I actually think they may have had the Kecksburg Bell and brought it to the TNT area. And really, maybe, and maybe that's what brought down the Silver Bridge, and maybe that would uh, stir up planetary spirits uh, by which would uh, that would draw the Mothman in. And he sort of just blew the cover, I think, and they tried to do whatever they could to keep people out of the area, for, because it's he was all the men
2: in black sightings. Oh, yeah, he sense. was screwing
3: up the program. And the first uh, men in black were Greek, apparently. So, it points to the Howard Hughes uh, conglomerate may have been involved.
1: would oh, you say they were Greek?
3: Yeah. Really? Yeah, the Greek MIB were, uh, were or NASA's. There's this, there's this theory that uh, the Hughes. Use uh, all the use was making all the exotic craft or a lot of it. Some of it was British, the Avro Saucer, but uh, use was taken over by Onassis uh, secretly in apparently '57. So by the time of Mockman, they could have been uh, firmly ensconced in it. That's basically the international mafia, big oil through through Onassis. He was basically the shipper for all the oil.
1: So Uh, we've only just scratched the surface here. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're definitely going to have it. to do this again. And uh, I just—we uh, have a hundred other questions here. We're not going to get to them, but there is a question from uh, for you, Andy, from Ken in Windsor, Ontario, and Ken would like to know. Okay.
2: Um. Did your friends and family have long-term effects from the Mothman encounter?
1: I think he means as opposed to your positive experience. What happened to the others who were with you?
3: Um. Well, the the they're all doing great. Uh. As far as I know, the the kid that saw the original vision of nine one one went on to work at NASA, just as the aliens had predicted.
1: That's reassuring. Okay,
3: <laughs> and he was a genius. Uh, Harriet was a, a genius. She's uh, she's gone on to do great things. Has a great uh, practice, uh, healing practice. And uh, so Steve is a, a riverboat captain, uh, doing really well. And uh, the other guy in Florida that saw a Mothman uh, the same week as Steve. Uh, the one I, the place I dream about, he is, uh, he's doing, he's got a lot of properties in Florida and seems to, I mean, these are all people that didn't seem, you know, they, I don't know. You wouldn't necessarily think things would always go that well. I mean, wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, you, you could tell a difference but let's just put it that way before and after Interesting. whatever, whatever that means, um,
1: well, we should invite Mothman to dinner around here. We could use a little luck. Yeah. And <laughs> anyway. He doesn't tell us anecdotes of his life. Yes, indeed. Well, we're definitely going to have you back. Uh, so, I mean, tell, tell us about your books, Andy, and uh, where people can find out more about you. Where can they get the books, uh, websites, whatever?
3: Uh, Amazon is uh, has all the books, and I'm having a sale this month, by the way. Uh, end of the world sale through the month of May.
1: <laughs> Wait till next year. Uh, but Cool.
3: Most yeah, of my it's... books are twenty bucks or more because they're long. They're four, four 400, five hundred pages, and yeah. uh, so. But this month we're uh, getting them down, to where you know everybody could could get them. And there's also a couple of Kindle versions, and we're going to get the rest of them on Kindle. Good. Soon. Yep. Uh, there's the FortunesWest. Dot com uh, blog. You click on Washington State because I'm the Washington State representative, and you can see my blogs there. And also, actually, the best place is Facebook, because I've been doing a lot of little posts you know, here and there on a daily basis it's just about things that I run across as I do my research.
1: Excellent. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the books, uh, could you give us the titles?
3: Uh, there's The Mothman's Photographer 1, 2, and 3. The first one's a photo book. The, other, the second one is, is a rundown more or less of the Ohio Valley Witnesses, and the third one focuses on West Coast witnesses and gets into, you know, people that I've met in other parts of the country that have had these kinds of experiences, gets in some of the Charles Manson stuff and some of the uh, Thunderbird material, uh, the Earth energy stuff, the mounds. (coughs) Actually, the mounds are covered a lot in the new one, Mothman Speaks. And so we have, I interview uh, geologists and uh, Native American experts in the Ohio Valley to tell us, like, what's been going on, what's the history of the area, and it is fascinating, and it does tie into the the Masons and the Moors and the, okay. uh, the Mormons, even.
1: All right. Uh, excellent. We we are kind of out of time, but again, yeah. uh, paranormal dot com and look at the talking points page. There's a link for that, and you'll see pictures of the book covers. So, uh, we we can uh, and actually I'll put in some links there too about uh, uh, buying the books on Amazon. Andy, thank you. It's been an absolutely fascinating conversation, the first of uh, several, I hope. And thank, thank you, you uh, for joining us.
3: Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Okay, be in touch off the air. Okay, okay, and uh, again, behindtheparanormal.com. dot com. And uh, if you are interested in paranormal education, and speaking of the West Virginia-headquartered uh, International Metaphysical University, intermetu.com, where I teach. And um, many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick, and we'll see you next Sunday, May 8th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Uh, ben and I will welcome award-winning science journalist Linda Moulton Howe,
2: and the subject will be crop circles. So in the meantime, tune into our New England Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com, 6 p.m. every Monday. Or 6 p.m. Eastern, actually. And it's on Mondays. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows along with show schedules and guest information at www.BehindTheParanormal.com.
1: More than 250 shows there. In the meantime, we leave you with a quote from that old darling Albert Einstein. Try and penetrate with our limited means the secrets of nature, and you will find that behind all the discernible concatenations, there remains something subtle, intangible, and inexplicable. Veneration for this force, beyond anything that we can comprehend, is my religion. To that extent, I am, in point of fact, religious. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.